Okay, I will start us by opening us up with a word of prayer. Gracious Lord, hey Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to get to this morning, Lord, to read your word. Lord, Lord, that may you grant us wisdom and knowledge to understand your word, Lord. That we may apply your word into our daily life. Father, help us in reading uh, reading a word and seeing how the replies of Jesus towards the church of the Jews, Lord, may impact our us. Lord, help us to see and read the scriptures properly. And Lord, we submit ourselves to your hands. We pray always in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Okay, uh, let's start off by reading the passage of scripture. Okay. Uh, today we are going to go to a new section. Uh, we're going to read through John chapter 5, verses 17, all the way to verse 26. No, sorry, verse 29. Uh, so we'll read through a big chunk of John chapter 5. Uh, so we shall start reading together. Uh, John chapter 5, verses 17 to 29. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father is doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than this will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son, just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son, does not honour the Father, who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come, does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in him, so he has granted the Son also to have life in him. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come up, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of so we shall read through uh, verses 17 to 18 again. And today we are going to focus in on verses 17 to 18. I don't know why my screen is scrolling right? Like, it out. Okay. John chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, 
making himself equal to God. So as we start off with verse 17, we see that Jesus answers the Jews, answers the group. Now here it's supposed that uh, there was a charge against Jesus, against Jesus, and the charge was uh, against his act of doing work on the Sabbath. But however, the first statement that he said was to call upon God as his father. Now this was taken by the Jews later on as another charge against him, as we see. Now sometimes when Jesus was charged for breaking the Sabbath, first of all, now he points to history, such as, for example, when we look into Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2 verses 23 to 28. Now we see something here. Uh, on the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way through, his disciple took and plucked heads of grain. The Pharisees saw and then they were asking why they do these things on the Sabbath. But you see what Jesus, how Jesus replied. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Erita, the high priest, and ate the bread of the present, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat also gave it to those who were with him. So, we have that. And then in other cases, well, Jesus just simply calls out hypocrisy of the Jews. Of the, of the Jews. Yes. Now in Luke 13 verse 15, we see that, as it says here, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it. So it's rather interesting here that we see that the way Jesus answers is so different and unique to the way he answers in, uh, in other cases when he was charged on this issue of the Sabbath. You know, he doesn't talk, he doesn't mention at all about this history, neither does he mention about the practicality of things. What he says was what he thought, but what he says is about the Father. What he claims was the authority that he has received from the Father. First of all, Jesus calls upon a more authoritative person, a more authoritative stance. He pronounced himself to be the Son of God, you know, by calling God his father, he pronounced himself to be the son of God. The divinity of Christ is seen to be scattered throughout the whole book of John, as mentioned many of times before. We see the divinity of Christ throughout the book of John. And now in this case, he calls God his father, not by creation, nor by adoption, like us mere men. As Christians, we are called, we call God our Father by adoption. But for Christ, it is by nature. God is his Father. And if so, his holiness is unquestionable and his sovereignty is incontestable. That surely this is the Son who will inherit all things from the Father. Now you can't question him in that sense. 
you can't you can't say that he has no he has no sovereignty or he does. So this is he has the inheritance of God. Next thing that we see, Christ worked together with the Father. You see that in verse 17, my father is working until now, and I am working. Some of it can be translated as also I am working together with God the Father. The example of God working and resting on the seventh day is clearly seen in the fourth commandment. I think this we can't deny it, how God has rested on the seventh day. But what did he rest from? It gives us a ground of observing a day of rest, you know, that's how God has done it. But that's not mean that God ceased from working all together. He has continued to work ever since on the Sabbath and every other day, in upholding and governing the world and continuing the species of being, all creation in their being, and many things are still in motion and even the operation of nature. Simply put it, on the Sabbath, the world does not stop spinning. The sun still rises, there is still rain if it has to, there is, the animals do not stop, they still run around in the fields, nothing that is in motion on the weekdays stop on the Sabbath itself. Yes, God has rested, but God has rested from the sixth day of creation. God has not rested in working in the hearts of men and in working in nature itself. He still provides for us. The providence of God is still clearly seen. The plants do not stop growing on the Sabbath. The livestock do not stop growing in on the Sabbath. They don't just stand there and wait. They still go on their lives. So what more even for us? What more will he do for men? Yeah. As men, we are considered the image of God. We are called the image of God. If he is able to treat all creation in that manner, to work for creation, work in creation, why would he not work for us as men? You know, Jesus says that he is working. It's not to suggest that Jesus may work like him, you know, doing good on the Sabbath, but Jesus himself partakes of the work together with the Father. You see how Jesus, uh, sorry, you see just as how God himself created all things by Christ, so he supports and governs all things through him and by him. He showcased himself to be at work in nature, just like the Father. In bearing out the pillars of the world, he does all things with much great authority and uncontrollable government. He that does all things is the Lord of all things, hence the Lord of Sabbath. The world, he would sooner, sorry, assert the authority and show it further in the change of the day from the seventh to the first, which is what we call not day now. You know, I think it's good for us to stop here and to think about something that is rather so-called interesting for all of us to, to see. 
you know, we talk about how Jesus himself has the authority of the world, you know, his authority in the world, in the running of the world and whatnot. Now, how often then do we not see Christ working in our generation in the world today? There are certain sun-dry times of our lives in the sense that well, it's just by a normal day that we often overlook what God has done for us. Now for the YTF, uh, I will talk a bit more about providence of God this coming Saturday. But as we go into that understanding and that, that contemplation of the providence of God, do we recognize as Christians that we are provided for even when the day seems dry, when it seems like a so-called normal day, that there is the working of God in it? Do we live our life and do we recognize the workings of God in that sense? So, why? so for us then, you know, do we consider these things as something from God? And even on the sun, in, on the Sabbath itself, on the Sunday, do we recognize that the world is still in motion? You know, we are not living in a farm. But, you know, in the sense of our business, our studies, our work, our duties as men, you know, we still have that. We still have to keep that in motion. Just as how in the past, they would have to keep the animals alive. We ourselves have to keep ourselves alive. So, think about what does it really mean to rest on the Sabbath. Does it mean that we withdraw altogether from the world and you know not do any form of work in the sense of we don't carry any food or we don't carry any heavy object, we don't cook as much as possible, we don't go out as much as possible except for going to the temple of God or going to the church? What does it mean? How does it look like when we talk about keeping the Sabbath there? If it's not just if it's not just like oh, forsaking everything and neglecting every work and every aspect of it. So we have that. Next, uh, we'll move on to verse 18. Uh, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he working in Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. There was an offense taken by the Jews against Jesus and his doctrine. It was though by justifying himself, it makes them makes things worse. It makes the Jews hate him even more. Those who not will not be enlightened by the word of Christ will be enraged and uh, extruded. Okay? Yeah, sorry. Those who, yeah, those who. Are not enlightened by the word of Christ would be enriched and exasperated by it. Nothing would anger the enemies more than Christ um, asserting his authority. Uh, as mentioned before, you know, today we live in the age of an anti-authoritarian world. We don't like authority. We don't like any forms of authority. We don't like being put wrong by any authority. And this is very, very prominent right now today. Um, coming Saturday uh, will be 
the Pink.SG movement. This coming Saturday is where they will gather uh, together and, you know, in a way to promote their agenda of accepting the LGBTQ movement in today's society. And so, in this case, in this sense, well, in a very similar manner, if they are not going to be enlightened by the word of Christ, if you were to go up to them and tell them about how the scriptures view LGBT, more often than not, they'll be angered by it. Well, of course, you have to, it depends on the way you bring across this message of how the LGBTQ is wrong. But more often than not, they'll be offended because they are challenged, their worldview is challenged, their free will is challenged. Whatever they wish they could do, you know, the basis of it is challenged. And what, what and how do you so-called deal with this LGBTQ? Well, the standard procedure is to outright deny any form of, of authority. If there is no authority stopping them, they are free to do whatever they want. I'm not pinpointing them specifically, but from there we see something. This is the nature of men altogether. We hate authority. We hate things that tell us what we are doing wrong. And so how do you deal with it? We outright deny the authority. So then as Christians, do we do that? Do we read a passage of scriptures that goes against our thoughts and our beliefs and everything that we have done in our life that we perceive as correct, what the scripture says is wrong? Depultery, drunkenness, all those things. You know, when we look in the scriptures and say that it's wrong, explicit that it's wrong, do we confront ourselves or do we deny the scriptures? Or do we deny the authority of Christ? So this is something you know really for us to think more about more. Are we willing to be ruled by a greater authority? A greater being is our life being controlled by the authority is our life restrained in that sense to do good to no longer do evil as christians so this is something for us to really think a bit more about christ when christ asserts his authority into our lives how do we approach it do we approach it like the Jews to deny it? Or do we approach it like some uh, as though our life depends on it? Because our life do depend on it in some ways. So I think it's good for us to think about that more. Now coming back to the Jews, we see that their desire was to take away his life. You know, they are more bent and resolute upon it to go so far as to study all means of ways to get Christ killed. But you see that ultimately the way that they choose to kill Christ is to bring him before authorities and to hang him on the cross ultimately to suffer the torture of the cross. Simply because he broke the Sabbath. No matter how Christ justified himself, the Jews are resolved whether be right or wrong to find him guilty for breaking the Sabbath. That this perception when malice and envy sits on the throne, reason and justice will be thrown out of the window. However, they can say undoubtedly 
undoubtedly be overruled. So this is something that we note here for Christ. No matter what he does, you know, the Jews has already set their mind on in Christ already. Now, whatever he reasons, whatever reasons he gives, the Jews want find try to find as much fault in it as possible. Now, this shows us something also. You know, no matter how true our statements might be, no matter how right our positions might be, if people want to find fault against us, they can still find fault against us in that sense. It's not they will you see, even for Christ, you know, the divine is divine, it's God Himself. The Jews can find fault. It's not really so much can find fault with him, but they want to find fault with him as much as they can. Might can it be reasonable? No, absolutely not. In this case of Jesus, as we see, he healed a man, he brought blessing onto a man, and Jews, the Jews perceive this as wrong. There's no reeling to it. Even Jesus himself explained himself to be the Lord of Sabbath. This and envy sits on the throne and starts to hate Christ and to hate people. So even for ourselves then, are we malicious? Are we envious? Do we throw justice and reason out of the window and neglect justice and reason? You know, as Christians, as I was discussing with among my friends, Christians ought to be the most consistent group of people in this world because we have a basis of our reasoning, which is scriptures. We have to live our life by reasoning because this is what God has given to us to live by. We must live by it. And justice is something that we seek out. If one man does something wrong, we need justice. If man does something right, we need justice. So it's only for us to think a bit more about war also as Christian living in this world. Do we live by those standards? Not only so about it, you know, he said also that God was his father. Now they pretend to be jealous for God's honor as before, you know, for the Sabbath, they pretend that they were so called jealous for it, for the honor of it. And they charged Jesus with it as a heinous crime that he made himself equal with God. And a heinous crime it had been if it had not really been so. It was a sin. It was a sin, you know. It's a very it's a sin of Lucifer in that sense. Lucifer himself claimed that he will be like the most high. What does it presuppose? It has an assumption that makes that that to me is that Lucifer himself, Satan himself, was not like God. He was not on the same level as the most high. But when we come to Christ, he does not say that. He does not say that I will be like the most high. He says that I am working. He proclaimed himself to be of the same level as God already. This was you know, justly inferred from why he said that he was the son of God and that God was his father. His, so as he was no one else's, he had said that he worked with his father by the same authority, power and hereby made himself equal with God. 
the Jews themselves recognize it. The Jews themselves recognize that Jesus has made himself equal with God. And so now we come to something about church history a bit more. Throughout church history, people have claimed that the deity of Christ or the authority of Christ is not equal with God. So, so far, as for the Jews, they got that correct. They got that correct. Jesus himself made the authority, made himself equal to God. There is a group of you know, uh, a group of people called the Arian. They say that the Father is above, you know, his authority and his ability is sort of a slightly above Christ and slightly above the Holy Spirit. God the Father is not equal to the God Son. Uh, God the Son in the sense of his authority. But what the Jews got himself here is correct. They are correct in saying that Christ is equal to God the Father. They recognize that Christ is talking about himself as equal to God the Father. However, there's another group of people that we like to talk about here today, you know, as neglecting the fact that God the Father is so God the Son is equal to God the Father, which will be the uh the Muslims. You know, they see Christ as the the prophet, as a prophet of God, but they not see Christ as God himself. So this is something too fast to be a bit more aware about. So I give you a sec. So yeah, so there's something for us to also, you know, re remember. Because right here we talk about the equality of God the Son and God the Father, um, making Himself equal to God. Uh, yeah, He has the same authority and power as God the Father and as God Himself to rule the world and to rule all things in it. Now. Next thing that we see, uh, it was a justly unjustly imputed to him as an offense that he called he equal himself with God, for he was and is God equal with the Father. Though you know it is Christ, Christ in a sense came down to this earth. Then, um, so sometimes people will perceive it as Christ is not equal to God because Christ himself, he came down. He's like he takes he takes on a human form. So from humanly perspective, they perceive Christ as just a man. Why does he have the authority as God? Why does he proclaim authority with God? So this is something for that we often have times we charge Christ for. But Christ answers this charge and he himself does not expect to, to sorry, Christ answers this charge by simply proving his inner ability. His, his inner authority to show this group of people that he himself is equal to God. You know, as mentioned before, throughout the whole book of John, the divinity of Christ is shown through many means. And one of the greatest means that Christ shows his divine authority is through the miracles that he will do. That we see Christ's ability to do miracles as a form of showing us his authority as the Son of God and as and as God Himself, you know, in the same in the sense of it has the authority and the power as God. So uh, I will end us off here today in, on that note. But you know, on that note that 
let's continue to contemplate a bit more of this fact. How does it affect us in the sense of talking about God, or sorry, talking about Christ being equal to God? What kind of impact will we have in our lives? You know, often of times Christians today we don't we don't really see God or Christ as you know equal to God the Father in authority and power. We don't really think much about the whole aspect of the Trinity. We don't see the distinction of the two people of the three people. Uh, in this case, we talk about uh, God the Father and God the Son. Uh, first, in this case, we don't see that distinction. Neither do we see their equal authority. And sometimes we are on the border of heresy in that aspect to say that Jesus is lower than God the Father in authority because he's the Son. We see him as lower, maybe because you know our perception of it is that Father is a Father, you know, he's older than the Son, he gives birth to the Son. And so, in a sense, he created the Son. But is that what scripture teaches us? Was Christ the greatest created being? Or is he on equal level as God the Father? Is God the Father older than God the Son? That's another question that sometimes we might think about more. You know, yeah. So, think about that. Uh, think about that. You know, what kind of authority does Jesus have? If he has the authority to so called overrule the Sabbath, to rule over the Sabbath, what other authorities will Christ have then in the sense of forgiving our sins and forgiving the debts that we first ought to pay and taking upon the debt by him self that we may no longer need to pay the debt anymore? So, I'll end us off here today. Uh, Shubha, can you close us in prayer? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Father, gracious Lord. Thank you for giving us this time that we're able to learn more about your word in John, Lord. That we're able to learn more about how Jesus described himself as being the same as you, Lord, and how the how the, te- um, how the teachers of the law wanted to wanted to have him arrested just for the simple fact that they want they were angry at him lord and they did not and that they were not happy that you that jesus christ had put himself equal to the lord or equal to the lord and we see how and we see how that they are not doing it because they feel that this person is arrogant but they do it because they're scared of their own power being taken away lord Thank you for allowing us to see this and allowing us to humble ourselves, Lord, in the eyes of you. And may you continue to watch over us as we continue in our day. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen.